Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You sound like you're in the same room as me. Uh, you me. sound like you're in the same room as me. I feel like you're on my on my carpet, on my shoulder. I don't know what sort of the word carpet. Imagine if I was on your carpet, just like sitting on the carpet, just looking up at you, just going, "Hi, Evie." Hey, Annie. <laughs> The neighbour ha- has been sanding this morning. Oh, again, with yeah. the power tools. He doesn't last very long and it seems to be finished. <laughs> so fingers crossed it stays that way. It sounds fine. I can't hear it. No, no, it's not going. Oh. <laughs> That's why I said it's done. I'm hoping it's done. No, Sammy, today we're recording proper, properly remote, remote, because poor Sammy's sick. Sammy's not even on our... FaceTimes today. We're doing it solo. We could do whatever we want. We could even, as a joke, we could just start recording a completely different podcast. (laughs) We should send that to him and go, welcome to Guns and Rifles. Uh, Today's episode, we will be talking about the XAR machine gun. It's a handy little thing. I think it is. I used it on the weekend. It just went out shooting rabbits. Oh, just um, rabbits? Just rabbits this weekend. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I love shooting rabbits. Blew that shit up. Yeah, blow those fucking little heads off. Yeah, it's got good talk. It's oh, white. You yeah. you've got good talk. <laughs> Welcome to Rifles and Rifles and Ammo Weekly. Welcome to Let's Rifle Through Some Rifles. <laughs> If nerds had guns. Oh, my God, yes. We crack each other up. <laughs> no, don't be silly. This is Chickstery. It's not weekly yeah. rifles, guns are us. And it never will be. <sighs> it never will be, that's for sure. But family is sick and we're doing this on our own. And um, my name is Winona Ryder and... Oh, I'm Johnny Depp. Oh, going back, going old school. Good I mean, who knows if she even has a boyfriend anymore? I think she married Keanu Reeves, you know. Did she? Yeah, they did it um, on when they were doing Dracula together. Yeah. Um, yeah. The guy in the scene that was playing the priest that married them was a real priest. So oh. they reckon they're married and they've never, ever done anything about it, like gotten a divorce. But don't they have to sign papers? Is that what makes a marriage? I don't know. I'd say not the, just I, I reckon in the eyes of the Lord, um, oh. he doesn't care for a signature. <laughs> Imagine if God goes, hey, you forgot to sign. <laughs> this just here, I'm just going to pop a little post-it note on the bit that you need to sign. Thanks, God. <laughs> I think in state and law, definitely. In the yeah, eyes of yeah. God, no. But in the eyes of God, they are one holy sanctimonious matrimony. Yeah, I think they there is a funny little joke about it between them and they if, if oh, the, you ask them in an funny. interview, they will talk about it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, okay, that they're it. still married. Yeah, <laughs> right, okay. Oh, I wouldn't mind fake marrying Nananu. 
Nananus. Um, how are you? What did you do this oh. week? What have you been doing? Well, What's I think been- you know what I've done this week because you were there, wasn't you? I was. I'm still high. Yeah. I'm still high on sugar. Jesus. Yes. We ate, well, we didn't really. I didn't eat a lot of it. I did. You had to <laughs> eat a lot of it. But for, for the sake of your art, you had to do it. I did. Now, for those listening, I did a oh, campaign. Yeah, people are listening. Yeah, I let's explain. Chat. <laughs> Forgot. We, yeah. We, um, I did a campaign for Kenwood, which was about their new titanium Chef XL. <laughs> titanium. Titanium. It's nice titanium. Oh, I don't think we can include that. Oh, I'm including it. Okay. Titanium. Titanium. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Titanium. And what, and what don't we call it, Evie? We don't call it the machine. And I never did. <laughs> I never did. Good. Good. Um, but, no, I did a campaign for Kenwood and it was for their new mixer, not yeah. a machine, a mixer, yeah. and I uh, did it with a celebrity chef. So and because of COVID we couldn't do it together, but we did do it together. We did a split screen, which is going to look hilarious because – It's great. We it's did a few a tricks. Idea. Yeah, it was. It was clever. And it was clever. The company that did the campaign were quite good at it, you know. Um, it was good, yeah. The ideas. It's going to look great. It's going to look amazing. So yeah. So I had you as my extra, my assistant, my hands. Yeah, keep an well, eye Well, you out. weren't my hands. You were to be my chef's hands, my help, yeah. my split as screen hands. passing you things through the screen. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, it, yeah, oh, anyway, God. I had to make... I really didn't make much of a cake, did I? But poor Dan made um, 18 million cakes <laughs> so we could go through each scene. But he did all the buttercream for me and I had the piping bags ready to go and I, I just couldn't help myself. They went straight in your mouth. And why wouldn't they? Well, it's that's buttercream. I know. I kept I kept yelling at you because I know. you can make yourself sick. Like, <laughs> Stop eating it, Evie. <laughs> Guess what yeah. I had last night for dinner? What? Cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually didn't eat the cake. I just ate the buttercream. <laughs> and I'm thinking if you come over today, I've got to cut that bit of the cake off so it doesn't look sus. Oh, but my I've been God. fingering it just to get oh. the buttercream out. Oh, I, made, um, I made meatballs last night. Oh, I saw the photo. Yeah, you know my our favorite celebrity chef, and that's what I reckon. Yeah, um, God is good. God is good. If you haven't seen his stuff, just Google get on Nat, board. N a t s. That's what I reckon. Yeah, he's so funny. Why doesn't he have his own show? I mean, he needs to just get like out there. He does, God, and he will. Yeah, good. Well, he but does a stand up show, which is what he was supposed to be doing all this year. That's He's doing right. the tour dates and they've all been cancelled. So yeah. I don't know if there's any cooking involved in his stand-up, but I, I'm I quite. Don't think there, I don't think there is. I think he's a chef, though. He must be trained. Yeah, he looks like he knows what he's doing with his knives and bowls. <laughs> his bowls. Yeah, he's good. But he does, um, he just does like no bullshit recipes and, and tells you to like, He's trying to, he's, I think his mission is to try and stop people using packet 
yeah. saucers and packet things. So yeah. he's like, fuck and jars. Yeah, fuck jars yeah. doors, fuck packet mixes. Yeah. Just yeah. He says it's really easy to actually make these without all their preservatives. And yeah. he's right. Yeah. And I made last night, I made um, my own like red sauce, pasta sauce, mm. spaghetti bolognese sauce, but I made meatballs. And God, it was good. Was it? It was so good. And I made it, there was not a jar in sight. It was, mm, I got from tomatoes and Did just. You? heaps of garlic and mm. um yeah and cook them right down and it tasted like heaven oh and you know um, I'm kind of glad I didn't eat that because I would have loved it number one and number two I'm not allowed to eat tomatoes at the moment because they give me really bad inflammation yeah yeah right. like the source of my pain yes yeah tomatoes aren't good especially if you've got gout I know, I know, I remember. I've had gout and I'd had that weekend tomatoes, um, oily fish, alcohol and asparagus. I've about this before. Oh, we have? Yeah. Well, anyway. you know, we like to repeat ourselves on oh, our podcast. Yeah. We've had a bit of a Spotify issue this week. Oh, well, Sorry. Sorry yeah. to our listeners from a couple of weeks ago when you're hearing yeah. this now, but Spotify, it wasn't us, it was Spotify because if you listened on iTunes, it was fine. Okay. And then we thought we'd fixed it and then we've got our own um, QC quality control guy in, um, in Queensland, our friend Michael, and um, he's on it. He, I love him. He's on it. He just messaged me this morning at 8 oh. a.m. on a Sunday and he's like, babes, it's still happening. I'm like, oh, Bless Michael, I'm crying out loud. Oh, so I don't know why I got a missed call from him on Friday. Oh shit! Sorry, that's my alarm to wake up oh, at eleven. Oh, I didn't want to sleep past eleven today because I slept to twelve fifty four yesterday. I know. Remember? Yeah, so, it was. Yeah, it was an exhausting day the day before. Oh, it was. I just wanted to quickly talk about a show I've been watching on ABC called Staged, and mm. it reminded me of what we were doing for the ad on on Friday because they have used you know Zoom and um, created this show, and it's David Tennant and Michael Sheen, mm. and they were supposed to be doing a play, which obviously they're not doing. And they've come up with this show, which is like them rehearsing the play via Zoom. And it's one of the best things I think I've seen in a really long time. It's brilliant. Oh, get on board. I have watched one episode and it was hilarious. I was like, what is this? This is yeah. weird and brilliant. And yeah, I don't know yeah. what so is going on because I'm obviously watched an episode in the middle. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I'm really glad that you've now told me what it was because uh, I didn't know what it was called and I would have just left it as this weird thing that I saw on the ABC one night. (laughs) (laughs) No, watch it. It's so, it's so good. And the, the way that they've written in, like even the supporting characters, like the director, he's come home to do because it's all done through lockdown. So they have lots of little vignettes of kind of what's happening in England during lockdown as well. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then and the, the, the directors come to live 
with his no he go he moves into his sister's house because she's in um France he moves into his sister's house and he's like right this is where I'm gonna just be locked down for the next however and she comes home surprisingly and and he's like oh what are you and she's like what are you doing in my house and he's like oh uh, you were in France and she's like yeah but I'm back and you can't just break into my house (laughs) and She's brilliant. And so there's a little storyline going in the background of her having problems with her husband. I don't know if it's real or not, but the way they've done it is brilliant. And she just refers to him as P, her husband. And then so so her brother, who's the director, is like, are you going to go back to France? And she's like... I don't know yet. I haven't. I haven't worked it out. Me and P are having fights, and you can't. T- I don't know if it's real or. Oh, it's that it's good storyline. It's it's that good that you can't tell. So I yeah, just watch it. I it's will. very funny, and the and the um, Michael Sheen's wife and David Tennant's wife are all also in it, and they mm. even have their own scenes together where they zoom each other. Oh, and really? Talk. Yeah, it's so good. It's so. And then there's like the next door neighbor. There's this storyline of like Michael Sheen's next door neighbor because she's like this older woman and she she busted him putting his recycling into her. Oh, bin. yeah. yeah. Recycling was full. Yeah, yeah. I've done it and gotten scared of being caught. Yes, it's yeah, real. Yeah. That's You've a real it. fear. Yeah, you got to watch it. What I will. Been, um, besides eating cake. Have you watched anything or read anything or listened to anything amazing that we need to know about? No, I haven't this week. I've been really busy with meetings and my downtime has just kind of been social media, you know, trying to get things ready for Friday's shoot and um, other things and meetings for other, you know, work coming up. You know what I'm like. I can't do too much. Yeah. I get very overwhelmed if I do too many things. I have to focus, concentrate on things and get through them I felt really productive this week so I haven't got a lot to talk about as far as um you know anything exciting it's just that I've been working which is really weird for me no that's good I mean I kind of felt the same too I sort of semi started a new job you um, did same company, new job. so my, new position. my brain, yeah my brain's been exploding so I've been this a bit the same yeah my, and um which is which is good but I did yeah, made meatballs last night. Did watch the oh, grand yeah. final. Oh right, you did. Why? Good on you, though. Uh, yeah, because um, our friend Matt came down, and um, he lives just up the hill from me. Mm. Uh, he came down, and um, we just kind of thought, well, let's pop, let's just leave this on. And it was actually we tossed a coin to decide what team we'd go for, mm. and we watched it, and it was. And did you, did you go for the right team? I did. My team oh, won. Oh no! And his team lost. But then I wanted his. Then I wanted to swap teams. Why? Because I well, because Geelong were the kind of the underdogs, and I didn't oh. want Richmond to win because they win all the time. They win every year. They've won out of the the four grand finals I've been in Melbourne for. They've won three or maybe two. I don't know. I think wow. This was the third. So I was like, they win all the time. Like, give someone else a turn. <laughs> so I don't um, think it works like that. I don't I know. Oh, I, know. I did I felt, what? Yeah, I felt sorry for them. Anyway. But um, there was some guy, uh, I can't follow football. I'm, I mean, I'm, I can if I have to, but I don't have to, so I don't. To be honest, I was just perving. Oh, well, that's not bad. Oh, it's such a good perv. That's, that's not bad at all. Oh, 
Um, mm, hello. Yeah, and because, you know, Matt and Matt and I were just kind of both looking at this, the boys going, oh, hello, lover. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So I, and, I prefer the body of an AFL player to a an NRL player. Same. Look, if I if I was able to pick, <laughs> I would, um, if I was given the opportunity <laughs> to like pick your human, rapists, oh, yeah, for just sure. said that, just said it. Sorry about it, but it's true. <laughs> That's funny. You know, after the game finished and they were all on the, because I couldn't believe I actually lasted the whole game. No, me neither. Um, but it was kind of, it was a good game. It was really close. Oh, that's good. Well, AFL is always a pretty good game if you're into any, if you're not into sport, AFL is your sport to watch. Yeah. If you yeah, have to watch kind of something. Pick up, you know, the rules and stuff. So we, we had to Google a few things because we couldn't work out what officially was a mark. Yeah, right. Okay. So we Googled that and then we were yeah. like, right, okay. We get it now. Um, so, you know, a gay, a gay man and a girl who's probably watched three games of AFL. I'm not just a gay man, an American gay man. An American gay man, so exactly. really, not even in his childhood did he have it around him. <laughs> but you like know what? Sneakily, sneakily enough, we're watching and then he he's going, oh, go on, Fitz, and you're getting there. Oh, was, he, on, re- was he for and real? Like, and I, hey? Was he for real or was he yeah, playing? You were playing. Oh, he's getting into it. And I said to him, I was like, hang on a minute, how do you know all these players? And he got a bit embarrassed. He was like, oh, well, um, well, I listen to the radio and that's all they talk about in Melbourne is all the – and I'm like, oh, my God, you actually secretly into know it. what's going on. So, yeah, yeah but anyway, um, it's good. But, um, Oh, I just remembered what I watched last night. I did watch something which it it took me right into my sleep and I'm still thinking about it. I don't know why I started watching this, but it was a documentary called Jade Goody, the the reality star that changed Britain. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because I saw the name and went, yes, just like you did then. Where? What? Who is she? How do I? Ah, she sounds sounds familiar. Yeah. Do I remember this? She was on like I think the third Big Brother in the UK, which was in 2003. Yeah. And then the Sun Herald, like all the media hated her. They called her a pig. And oh, because she was really loud, really like she was like our Sarah Marie. Right. And you know what their media is like? Yeah. they like, no, we don't like her. Yeah. We're just going to, you know, only trash her. Well, the audience really liked her. Mm -hmm. They actually changed the narrative. They went, oh, look, we're going to come out now and say, oh, she's like, you know, she's quite down to earth and she's vulnerable and lovely. And because it turns out, you know, she was a daughter of a heroin addict and pimp and, Right. It was sad, like basically had to raise herself. So everyone was kind of like, oh, no, she's cool. And she became this huge, huge name in the UK and then came out of the Big Brother house and really before, this is before social media, really started um, owning her brand, like making her um, narrative, like controlling her, her story. And it was quite interesting to watch because it was everyone was interviewed in it, um, and it, and it went through that whole timeline. 
Right. So the What's Dream Hunt series, it's on YouTube. Oh, on the on the YouTubes. Yeah, okay. but it's um, it goes mm. to her fall as well. Like she she really, really yeah. goes. Um, oh. absolute darling of Britain, and then goes down. Don't Where Google. Okay, okay, okay. Because the, by the yeah. third episode, the end, the last episode, um, if you don't remember anything about her, then no. I'm not ruin this because I wish that I hadn't googled how to watch the documentary because it kept saying the thing that so if you just go straight onto YouTube and type don't type in well type in Jade Googly the whole thing like Britain how it changed Britain okay okay go straight to it or I'll just send you the link actually and then you can just watching um and then we're going to talk about it next week okay Okay, all right, yeah, I got it's a project. Really, really fascinating, but it took me into my sleep. It, it was actually really hard to go to bed. Um, made me think about a lot of things. Okay, all and right. I also went to where you know where the story is now because that was mm-hmm. back in the day, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was an interesting little twist as well. Oh, good. Okay, okay, looking forward to it. Also, um, I don't know if you can hear the music in the background, can you hear? Him? My neighbours, I never hear my neighbours. Today they've decided to play um, And I Wanna Do, do bo, do, bo, and it was something, don't. I don't know that one. I don't know what song it is. Okay, be will quiet. I wonder, will I wonder, wonder who stop the rain? Okay, be quiet. Let me listen. Okay. Yeah, I can hear it. Now they're it's just okay. talking. Oh, I can, that's what I thought I could hear. I could hear things. But I had to yeah. turn my volume right up to hear it. Okay. So I don't think our listeners. And you know what? A little bit of background music. Sometimes it's okay. Sound, Pretend we're in a um, lift. Yeah, and I think I, I never hear my neighbours and I love to hear people playing music on a Sunday while they're yeah. doing the housework and, you know, that's great. But doing a snooze. funny that I've never heard them until today while I'm, it's, you know, bloody Murphy's Law. Oh, it is something, um, something, something or other. And um, just quickly, I, well, like we've already been going for twenty-five minutes with this preamble. <laughs> I thought, I thought today that we wouldn't have much because I was like, well, I haven't really watched anything really. Yeah, we've managed. We've managed to we've keep managed the, to go twenty-five minutes. But we do need to talk about something a bit prickly. Yeah, we do, don't we? We're just talking about it before we started Ooh. recording, and we do need to. Make a little bit of a announcement. Is that what we would say? It's called a, an edit, a retract, um, a redactment, a redactment. You yeah. you say because you were well, the one that found it. Yeah. Well, last night watching the grand final, um, the band Shepherd played at halftime. Mm. And for those who have listened to the episode where we talk about um, Amy Shepherd. And um, we actually featured her as a chick in the now because um, of her bozzy, bozzy positive. <laughs> her bozzy positive. Her bozzy positive. Her body positive um, messaging and her, her stance on that, which is great. And um, and also, you know, um, she's done, uh, she does a lot of stuff in that, in that area. But so she, they were on the grand final last night and then, Another girl that we've done as a chick in the now, Aretha Brown. Last week. Last week. She was last week, was she? Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, 
well, I was looking at her Instagram stories this morning, and this we didn't we didn't know this obviously at the time, but the band is funded by their father, which is fine. Which is fine. Like because- I, that's the one thing I didn't agree with, like going people because they're being funded by their family. Well, that's just yeah. Exactly. People fund their families for all sorts of things, and that's a good thing. And all sorts of businesses, and just because yes. it's an arts and they're doing something, you know, they're a band. I've been funded by my family for things, and I could not yeah. be more grateful. Same, hundred percent. Um, but her father is actually one of the three guys that mm. um, owns Sons Manus Island. Yeah, they own the security company. Yeah. That, um, is guarding Manus Island, and there is a lot of quite horrendous behaviour from the security guards there, mm, including mm. rape, abuse and torture. Yeah, so... Um, um, she was quite angry, Aretha, and rightly so. Yeah, she was. She was. Um, and then she also calls out um, that... So I'll just read the post here. And she says, says, Greg Shepard, manager of Shepard, father of the uh, three principal members and chief financier of the uh, band's career, is the director of the security company that runs Manus Island. He is one of three men, a most unholy trinity, directly responsible for the alleged torture, abuse and rapes that have occurred and continue to occur on Manus Island. One of three men who call the shots and run the show. So we don't, I don't know if that's, Fact, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't that, checked it, but we just thought we would just call. We we'll just out flag it. We we'll just fl- like flag. let you guys know that it's something that's come up and is really important to us because even if you don't agree with or do agree with um, our detention and our immigration laws, that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're not getting political in any way. Um, we do definitely have views on that. Yeah. Um, but we're not. that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the abuse of these people in detention. Mm. Yeah, and if their father is, is involved, then... Yeah. And funding it. Yeah. Um, they also call out that um, their hit song, Geronimo, is... Um, oh, yeah, that shocked me. That shocked me. Yeah, and you know it's funny because last night when we were watching that, um, our friend Matt did mention that, and he said, "Isn't that like um, culturally inappropriate to mm. to have a song called Geronimo?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." Like, I was just doing it from. I was thinking of childhood, like Geronimo, mm. and then yeah, not even realizing where it came from. We well, we were, used to play um, Indians and cowboys and. Yeah, bombing, um, bombing tribes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, you know, not that, right. No, it's really not. Geronimo. It comes from a, the Apache tribes, and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it. It, it is. Oh God, there's just so much stuff mm. we're learning. Um, I know. That's that, what I thought when even I thought I'm so grateful that we even had Aretha as a chick in the now because we wouldn't have seen that. She's teaching us as well, yeah. the fact that we were following her. And I saw that this morning and, I, you know, it made me kind of go, wow, like, you know, she's she's teaching. We're just always learning, I think, always. Yep. Always. And we have no hatred for anyone. We certainly don't want to mm. um, denounce anyone, um, but we we don't mind calling things out. 
when yeah. they need to be called out. So that's all we're doing. So do you have a chick in the now? Speaking of chicks in the now. Okay, I do have a chick in the now. Now, this, oh, my God, you're going to love this girl. Mm-hmm. She makes me laugh. You will really enjoy her a lot. Yeah. Uh, she makes me laugh. Her name's Katie. Yeah. I don't know her last name. Okay. Um, but her Instagram handle is 30-something single. Do you know her? Yeah. You do? Does she have a podcast? Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah. It's, um, I think, actually, I don't know. I, I, I want to, I, I'd like to think she does. I th- yeah. But I've never, I've never heard, I've never listened to it. But her um, Instagram is all really where I get all of her stuff from. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I may have just been, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. And she has quite a lot of great posts, obviously, um, and she ha- highlights a lot of things just like our Clementine Ford does, which I love because you can always just send people to it, you know, that go and have a look. I found out about her through Clementine, I think. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Thank God for Clementine. We would. She's just introducing us to some amazing, amazing people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you go into her um, account, it's, it's, she kind of lets you know where to start and she does a highlight of start here. She goes, you know, I've got a lot of new followers so I wanted to welcome everyone and I'm Kate. I'm 32 from the UK. Yeah. I talk about dating in your 30s, fat phobia, sex positivity and toxic masculinity. If you like mm-hmm. a giggle, I high re- re- highly recommend. So then she kind of sends you, start watching this, start looking at this highlight. And I, I love that. She she tells you about the books that she likes and the little experiments that she's done. She commissioned artists to draw ba- um, her based on the way men had described her on dating apps. So that's oh, a good one to look at. Oh, awesome. She brings humour to everything. But she's extremely intelligent and calls the shit out. Okay. Just like yeah. our Clementine. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm just um, looking at her Instagram she, now, actually. Sorry? I'm just looking at her Instagram. Yes, now. good, good, good. Mm. Um, she has done a great highlight. Go and have a look at her teenage romance one. Oh, my God, it made me laugh. It really... And so many people reacted well to it that they, she um, reposts a lot of the messages that she gets and it was like so relatable. Yeah. Um, She calls herself an expert in bullshit detection and she really is and she knows a lot of squirrels. No, sorry, she knows a lot about squirrels. And she's done with boring subpar sex. She's very open about certain things that, and she's got no filter. She'll just really talk about what needs to be talked about. And I am here for all of it. I love so it. So I, I love think it. she um she goes onto the dating apps. You're gonna love this, Annie, because she goes onto the dating apps and she just spends an entire week. Like her post will be, this is why I didn't date this weekend, and then she'll just show you why. It'll yeah, be right. the messages from the guys that she she got this weekend and oh, just how, what? I can imagine. Just how low the mm. bar really is as far mm. as the men are concerned. They mm. don't think they have to do much. and. Yeah. 
she calls no. them out and Boy. they get so confused. It's just, it's brilliant to watch. Oh, good. No, I'll, I'll definitely um, check that out. I, um, I, yeah, I was chatting to a guy on the apps yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. and we, we sent a couple of messages backwards and forwards. So I thought, oh, he's nice. He was actually a, um, an astro photographer. Also, oh, would that be taking photos of the galaxy? Yeah. Oh, how interesting. So that got me straight away because I was like, great oh, job. this is great. And he had some of his photos up on his profile. And I thought, this is great. We had some good chats. And then um I mean and then we were just talking about something. He asked me a question and then then out of nowhere, he sends me a picture of himself with his shirt off, like pouting. No. A selfie just with his like shirt off. And I'm like, A, I didn't ask for that. Yeah. And that's being, another thing Katie is on about big times yeah. consent. And it's just not contextual. Like I didn't Yeah, what, there was one no minute we're talking about the stars and the next minute Maybe you've sent me a photo with your shirt off. Was he sending you a photo of his starfish lips? I think so. And it was a real, it was weird. And it was a real weird, like, pout, like a, mm, like, look how good I, like, oh. Can you send it to me? Did you? No, I unmatched him straight away. I don't have it. I unmatched him. And I just was like, no. Anyway. You know what? Just while we're on Tinder, you Mm. know, last week, um, Four Corners did a really interesting, extremely traumatizing. Story about the sexual abuse that's happening through Tinder, mm. and I've never um, understood much about Tinder because I don't use it. So I didn't know that when you unmatch someone, it deletes everything. Yeah, every yeah, bit yeah. of history. history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is where, unfortunately, for the girls who were abused, um, assaulted, they didn't have any um, any history. Proof. They had no yeah. proof. So I'm asking you as my best friend and anyone listening that uses Tinder, can you just start screenshotting everything just in case we need it down the track? Yeah, it's good. It's a good, good advice. Um, Because like that Ebony Sands who had Tom from Bondi, you know, abusing mm. her with his voice messages, she kept all of them. She um, screen recorded, which you now know how to do. I'm very proud of you. I do. Um, she screen recorded all of them, yeah, yeah, and and which also you could then see the the messages that were being typed. So mm. I think that's a really good habit to get into. Maybe have an album on your phone that is just called Tinder, and it's yeah, all just yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. in case you need yeah. to use it in a court of law. Yeah, and it's weird because I think you know a few years ago I would have probably just gotten that photo and gone oh like that's a bit weird but anyway let's keep chatting and now I'm just like no mm-hmm. not good enough it's like a red flag yeah. it's like and we need and we'd like to inspire younger women and older women any women who are listening to us mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that is okay to do you unmatch yourself from someone yeah. that makes you feel a little bit oh just that, mm, just the ick factor. The ick factor, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I talked about that on a podcast a little while ago. Mm. Just that you get that feeling of like, mm, mm, this is not good. Yeah, and if you get that feeling, trust it. 
trust it. 100%. And, And, you know, look, you'll find another astrophotographer. You will. (laughs) Or you know what? Become a fucking astrophotographer yourself. Yeah, yeah. If you find that fascinating, go and have a look into it because you could do it, women. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And look, that's a really good segue into today's um, chick that I've got for you. Oh, excellent. Thank you. We are talking about, hey? Seamlessly done. Did you like that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was actually weird because I was researching this um, chick and he had said that he was an astrophotographer and I was like, oh, this is weird Um, because this lovely lady I'm going to talk about is, um, well, you'll find out. Okay. Go. Chick, chick, trees, chick, chick, tree, chick, chick, tree. That was me trying to come up with a song really quickly, not even being able to get the words out. Oh, we didn't do a Chick in the Now song. Oh, well. Is that why you were trying to do one for? Yeah, I'm t- yeah exactly why I'm doing one for Chick Street. <laughs> Chickstery. We love, we love, we love the Chicks. See, it's an AFL one. Oh, yeah. Coming in with the Chickstery. <laughs> we march because we're women and we can. Woohoo, Chickstery. What's the song that you say sounds like a football song, but I love it? Oh, no, I don't know. But oh, I, do. I am woman. You think that sounds oh, like a football song? Oh, it so song. does. I am woman. We're the tigers hear us roar. See? We're coming to get you from the door. You've ruined that song for me. You've probably ruined it for others. I'm glad because that song was ruined for me from the moment I heard it and I grew up in an um in a house with footy songs like what the f are footy songs all about let's not even go there but that is a whole Pandora's box that's weird okay so who have we got go (laughs) I'm not letting you talk and I apologize for it Mariah Mitchell was Mar- born. Mariah? Yeah, and it's spelt Maria, but it's pronounced Mariah. Oh, okay. It was born on um, August the 1st, 1818 in Nantucket, Massachusetts. There once was a girl from Nantucket. I was just about to say Nantucket is <laughs> is something we all know that from, you know, that, that Limerick, there once was a man from Nantucket. Who had a big bucket? He dumped it down the hill. He dropped it down the hill, and he said, "Oh damn it, I fucked it." <laughs> That's it. It's precisely it. Um, and Nantucket is an island about thirty, about fifty kilometers by ferry from Cape oh, Cod in the US. Neither did I, and it's interesting to know for this story because. Um, in the early 1600s, a whale entered the harbour and was pursued by and killed by the settlers at the time. And this event started the Nantucket whaling industry. Oh. And Nantucket, um, back in those kind of early you know, colonial days, is that what you would call them? They developed a really big uh, dependence on trade with England Um, and there's even a mention of Nantucket's whaling um, history in Moby Dick. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, is this this Moby Dick related? 
Yeah. Well, no, it's not. But yeah. that's just an interesting okay. little aside because yeah. of um, you and you'll you'll find out why. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mariah was born to um, her parents Lydia, who was a library worker, and William, who was a school teacher, and an amateur astronomer. Oh, oh, get it? Get the link. She was the third of 10 children and um, her and her siblings were raised in the Quaker religion, which is a faith that really highly values education and sensible work, apparently. I don't know what silly work. I don't know what silly work is, but they they only value sensible work. Mm. So her father used to educate all of his children. He wanted to educate them about nature and astronomy and her mother's employment at two libraries gave them access to a ton of books and and knowledge. And uh, from a very young age, Mariah showed particular interest in astronomy and mathematics. And because she was raised a Quaker, her parents insisted on giving her and the girls in the family access to education, um, the same as what the boys had received. And because Nantucket was a whaling port, many of the women were wives of sailors. And so they were left for months and sometimes years to manage affairs at home while their husbands were at sea. So it meant that Mariah was was brought up in this atmosphere where women were very independent and there was a sense of equality for wow. women on wow. the island. How yeah. wonderful. It's like a little island of Wonder Woman. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, when she was uh, 11, her dad founded a school where she was a student and she also used to help him um, with teaching. She was a little teaching assistant at 11. Mm. Her father made sure that all of his children were indoctrinated with knowledge of astronomer, astronomy. Sorry, And at an early age, he taught Mariah how to operate a number of astronomical instruments, including chronometers, sextants, simple refracting telescopes. And she often assisted her father with his work while he was observing the night sky and he would actually do that to help ships keep track of their longitude so he was employed because there was a lot of ships and the whaling industry it was really important for him to be able to and I don't know how it works but if you calculate the longitude because this is before you know GPS and Google Maps um, it helps the, the ships know where to go so that's kind of early astronomy where early astronomy kind of came from oh okay yeah because you follow the stars mapping yeah the north star you'll always go in the right yeah and I think a chronometer I didn't really do a lot of research into this but I think a chronometer is you count the seconds that a star or something moves from one point in the sky to another point and then that is then that tracks then the position of the I don't know, I'm making it up. Someone ask Siri? Yeah, ask Siri. Hey, what's Siri, a... what's a chronometer? A marine chronometer is a timepiece that is precise and accurate enough to be used as a portable time standard. It mm. can therefore be used to determine longitude by means of accurately measuring the time of a known fixed location, for example, yeah. Greenwich Mean Time, and the time at the current location. 
Yeah, right. So they so it still makes no sense to me. I know. It counts something. Let's just say that. It counts. It's a it's a counter of something. Okay. Uh, so when she was at um when she was at home after she came home from school at nighttime, her father would teach her astronomy. He had a personal telescope. And at the age of twelve and a half, she aided her father in calculating the exact moment of a solar eclipse that happened in 1831. Wow. When she was just 16, she finished school and she opened her own school. And it was here she developed experimental teaching methods, Mm -hmm. um, which she later went on to practice in her future teaching positions. She also made a decision to allow non-white children to attend her school, which was very controversial at the time because the local public school was still segregated. Oh, my God. In 1936, she became the first librarian of the Nantucket Anthenaeum, which and she would go on to hold this position for 20 years. Wow. So she worked as a librarian, and during the quiet times at the library, she, um, which was quite often, she would um, continue her own self-education. She studied Latin, German, physics, and mathematics. Mm-hmm. She kept assisting her father with astronomical observations and calculations that they would um, they were her father was employed to do for the US Coast Survey. They worked in a small observatory that they constructed on the roof of their house oh, really? and they used a four inch equatorial telescope that was provided by the Coast Guard. So they would at night, both of them would pop up onto the roof. They would look for nebulae, nebulae mm-hmm. and double stars. They would produce latitudes and longitudes by calculating the altitude of stars and the culminations and oculations of the moon. Wow. Simple. Yeah. When she started. I, that. I used to do that with my dad. <laughs> Oh, if I had a dollar with my dad, my dad asked me to just pop up on the roof and and produce latitudes and longitudes. I swear to God, I'd be like, Dad, again, Jesus! Oh, oh my dad and I ever did was count his farts. <laughs> Mariah, Hi. you're doing good, kid. You yeah. are doing good. Um, now, when she started her stargazing journey, she heard that King Christian VIII of Denmark mm. was awarding a gold medal, um, which at the time was valued at a lot of money, um, for anyone who discovered a telescopic comet. So she had heard it, heard about this sort of competition, this challenge, and she's like, right, this sounds like me. Challenge accepted. Yeah, challenge accepted. So for the next 16 years... Mariah was determined to win the medal and to find a comet. 16 mm. years. Well, I'm going to assume she found one. On October the 1st, 1847, the Mitchells were hosting a party at their house and they used to host a lot of parties and Mariah was always known to disappear at night time because um, she would be up on the roof mm. sweeping the skies. It, 
um, as she as it was known. And this one night, um, she uh, slipped out of the party as she normally would, and she went up on to the roof. She noticed an unknown object flying through the sky in an area where she had previously not noticed any other activity, and she believed it to be a comet. She returned back down to the party a short time later, telling her dad that she thought she had seen something. So her dad went up, joined her on the roof, and he indeed saw that she had, in fact, spotted a comet. Wow, 16 years. So at 10.50pm on the night of October 1st, 1847, Mariah discovered C1847T1, (laughs) <laughs> which would later be known as Miss Mitchell's Comet. Oh. Now, she wanted to keep it hush-hush because she she wanted to do some more calculations and she wanted to be absolutely sure that, that she was right. But her dad couldn't wait. He was like, no, nah, I'm going to write a letter immediately to the professor at Cambridge telling him about our discovery. At the time, the weather was really bad in Nantucket, so the letter was actually delayed by two days. Meanwhile, there was a some dude somewhere, I think in Italy, and he had claimed that he had discovered this comet. But oh, really? Guess what? What is this has never happened before? She was mm-hmm. actually found to be the original discoverer because her dad had written the letter on the day it was discovered. Oh, it was so when the letter yep. got to Cambridge, dated, wasn't it? It was dated and it was official. Um, it proved that yeah. she had discovered it first. Oh thank God. She, I know for once, right? For once, yeah. So she did in fact receive the prize from the King of Denmark. And she wow. published a notice of her discovery in Silman's journal in January, but she published it under her father's name. Um, I'm not sure why, at, even though she had already it had already been proven that it was her. Mm. And then the following month, she submitted her calculation of the comet's orbit, just ensuring her claim as the original discoverer. Yeah. So she officially became the first American professional astronomer to discover a telescopic comet. And she joined the ranks of two other women astronomers from Germany, Caroline Herschel and Maria Marguerite Kirsch, who had both discovered comets in 1786 and 1702, respectively. Wow. Yeah. Amazing, right? 17, yep. Yeah. So and then in 1848, uh, Mariah became the first woman elected um, a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. The first woman? Yep. Academy of? The Academy of Arts and Sciences. Yeah, a fellow. Wow. Uh, In 1849, uh, Mariah accepted a computing position for the US Coast Survey as her job was a computer. So until the mid-1900s, the term computer referred to a person who performs mathematical equations. Yeah, right, yeah. Until when? The mid-1900s. Yeah, because you know the Bletchley Circle, the women who did that? Like they were called computers? Computers. They computed the information. 
Yeah. Wow. She was the first woman to get a job performing a non-domestic specialised skill for the US government and she was paid £300 a year. Wow. Mm. Her work consisted of tracking the movements of planets, in particular Venus, and she compiled tables of um, the planet's positions to assist sailors in navigation. Uh, she did complex calculations to predict the position of Venus in the sky so that sailors could navigate the oceans before GPS. So although she didn't have a college education herself, um, at the age of 47, she was appointed Professor of Astronomy at Vassar College by its founder, Matthew Vassar, in 1865. Now, Vassar College, I think, was the first female all-female college set up by this guy. Wow. Matthew Vassar, yeah. And she was the first person appointed to the Faculty of Astronomy and she was also named the Director of the Vassar uh, College Observatory, a position which she held for more than two years. Wow. So, and it's said that because of her that the Vassar College enrolled more students in mathematics and astronomy than Harvard did from 1865 to 1888. Wow. So while she was a professor at the college, she maintained a lot of her unconventional teaching methods yeah, that she good. used back when she, was, when she first set up her yep. school. Yep. She didn't report on grades. She didn't report on absences. She mm. advocated for small classes and individualised attention. She wow. incorporated technology and mathematics into all of her lessons. Yep. Um, and it was also a really strange time for women to study astronomy because the college rule handbook said that women weren't allowed to go outside after dark. Wow. So. She she went to the dean, I guess, and said, well, this is going to be a problem mm-hmm. because my students study astronomy. So she had the rules overturned. Oh, good, because that was women... ridiculous anyway. Sorry? What happens to them? Do they melt if they go <laughs> outside? Like, what the no, fuck? Not allowed outside after dark. I know. Jesus. What are they, dogs? Yeah. <laughs> Cats, keep them in. Unbelievable. They'll turn feral. Ugh. Ridiculous. They'll go out there and kill birds. Put bells around their necks. Yes. We may never see them again if we let them out in the dark. They might might realise how suppressed they are and run away. Totally. Um, Now, although she knew her students' career options were limited because, you know, it's quite hard to become an astronomer, um, she never doubted the importance of their study of astronomy. And she says, this is her quote, I cannot expect to make astronomers, but I do expect that you will invigorate your minds by the effort at healthy modes of thinking. When we are chafed and fretted by small cares, a look at the stars will show us the littleness of our own interests. So she lived at the college in the um, observatory and then she would often wake up her students in the middle of the night to go and check out things yeah. in the sky. She's such a good teacher. Oh, wouldn't she be? And along yeah. with it, yeah, along with astronomy, Mariah also had a keen interest in photography. She loved taking pictures of the planets and their moons. Remember, this is 1873. 
So she would often involve students in her observations and her and her students began photographing sunspots. She started to develop what were the first photographs of the sun and they allowed her to explore the hypothesis that sunspots were cavities rather than clouds on the surface of the sun. Mariah was not only a kick-ass astronomer but she was also she was also a lot of a supporter for a lot of social issues so she became involved in the anti-slavery movement by refusing to wear clothes that were made of southern cotton wow she became involved in a number of social issues as a professor particularly those pertaining to women's suffrage and education after teaching at vassar for some time she learned that despite her reputation and her experience her salary was less than that of many of the younger male professors she and the only other woman on the faculty at the time insisted on a salary increase and she got it <gasps> I love her. She's a real doer, isn't she? Yeah, she's a go-getter. Yeah. After returning from a trip to Europe in 1873, Mitchell joined the National Women's Movement and helped found the Association for the Advancement of Women, a group dedicated to educational reform and the promotion of women in higher education. She addressed the association's first women's congress in a speech titled The Higher Education of Women, in which she described the work of English women working for access to higher education at universities such as Cambridge. She also called attention to the place for women in science and mathematics and encouraged others to support women's colleges like Vassar. And this is still happening today, you know, bringing women into um, what's called STEM, science, technology, economics, economics and maths. Yeah. So still, there's still a really big imbalance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Between men and women in the STEM. So um, it's still happening today, but she's, you know, one of the early, earliest um, pioneers for educators. Yeah. To do that and say women should really be getting into to these things as well. She never married, but she remained close to her immediate family throughout her life. Up until her death, she lived in Lynn, Massachusetts. I can't say that word. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. No, just Massachusetts. Massachusetts. No, sets. Sets. Say it. Massachusetts. That's it? There's no peace in there. (laughs) With her sister Kate and her family. She... Died of brain cancer on June 28, 1889. She was age 70 and she only retired from the college the year before. Really? Mm -hmm. She's amazing. I've never heard of this woman before. After her death, the Mariah Mitchell Association was established in Nantucket uh, to preserve the sciences on the island and Mitchell's work. The association, which still operates today, mm-hmm. includes a natural history museum, an aquarium, a science library. Her oh, home yeah. is has been turned into a museum mm-hmm. and an observatory is named in her honour, the Mariah, Mariah Mitch, Mitchell Observatory. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> no, you're doing really well. I don't know why I can't talk today. <sighs> um, wow, all of that. All of that. Along with the association, there's also a number of honours um, that have been made in her name. She was made a National Women's History Month honoree mm-hmm. uh, in 
by the National Women's History Project and was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1994. Wow. She's been the namesake of a World War II Liberty ship, the SS Mariah Mitchell. She has a a train named after her in New York called the Mariah Mitchell Comet. And there is a crater on the moon also named after her as well. On August the 1st, 2013, Google honoured her with a doodle. Google did a doodle? Google did a doodle showing her in cartoon form on top of a roof gazing through a telescope. But what introduced me to Mariah Mitchell is, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about um, Maria Popova, Brain Pickings, that website, Brain Pickings. No, no. I told you about that. No. So I started reading Brain Pickings back in, I think maybe 10 years ago. And it's a daily newsletter. This woman, um, Maria Popova, she's the most fascinating person I think I've ever come across. She's just read a lot. She knows a lot about literature and science and history and she writes this beautiful blog that where she features a lot of these books that she's read and just ideas and philosophy and um it's amazing she sends out a uh, an email which I still get every week and um she has a book called and I was busting for her to write a book which I've got and um it's called figuring and Mariah Mitchell actually serves as the backbone throughout that whole book and um yeah and she the book goes into a lot of the personal lives of many women scientists and artists and um kind of how they came to be and the history of women at that time it's fascinating it's such a good book Mm -hmm. um She's even got a children's book. Um, Mar- Mariah Mitchell even has a children's book about her um, called What Miss Mitchell Saw. And um, Maria Popova talks about that in her uh, on her blog. And her telescope, um, Mariah's telescope is on display at the Smithsonian Institute oh. uh, National Museum of American History. Wow. So that's that's Mariah Mitchell. God, I'm so glad we do this, you know, just. Isn't it cool? Yeah. Never heard of this woman before and we should, there should be a statue of her or there should be, you know, there should be teachings of her. And I think out of all the women we've done, she seems to be the most, I mean, her association is still going. You could Google Mariah Mitchell Association. She's definitely the most progressive very, like yeah, it's still very progressive when she was alive. Yeah, but I love people are still talking about her. Like I think if you were into the sciences, you know, perhaps lived in the US, you would probably know about her because of yeah the association and and all of the things that she's done for women in science. But um, yeah, absolutely amazing, and I just love I'm just googling her. You know, it, her name doesn't even come up. I put in Maria. Bakalova, Maria Sharapova, Maria Callis-Bello, Sakari Menonis, Shriver, Reynolds. Marina Mitchell. Before, and then I put in the M mm. and it's still going nowhere. Mm. And put in the I, Maria Miranda, and then finally Maria Mitchell. Mitchell. American astronomer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at her. She had quite the uh, curl, didn't she? She did. She loved it. Indeed. She's amazing. Um, Miss Mitchell's comment, comment. Why haven't we ever heard of that? 
No, we haven't. Where have I we know. heard of Haley's Comet? I don't know. Who's Haley? Yeah. And and Haley didn't even probably I think it was her dad that named it after her, Haley. That comet. But yeah. Miss Mitchell discovered it herself. She did. Yep. So why don't we talk about that more often, people? I don't really understand how comets work. Would Miss Mitchell's comets still be around today? Or do they die out? I think they die out, but I could be completely wrong. Because I wonder if, do we still see Haley's Comet or was that something from the 80s? Yeah, we saw it, I I think. Um, Maybe maybe you only see it. Comets are cosmic snowballs of frozen gases, rock and dust that orbit the sun. Okay, so they're orbiting. When frozen, they are the size of a small town. Wow. When a comet when a comet's orbit brings it close to the sun, it heats up and spews dust and gases into a giant glowing head larger than most planets. Oh. So I guess they keep going. And we only see it once in our lifetime because it's taken that long to orbit. We had one in July 2020. Do we? Mm. That was the that was the latest one. When is the next one coming? I don't mm. know doesn't say what is a comet in space yeah we just said that don't repeat yourself google Mm. do comets ever die after many orbits of the sun a comet does eventually expire in some cases all the volatile ices boil away leaving a remnant of rock and dust sometimes the comet completely disintegrates although comets seem long-lived from a human perspective on an astronomical time scale they eventually evaporate quite rapidly okay because that's Mm. like you know when you go to space and it's like oh yeah light years away (laughs) yeah it's like years to us isn't it yeah i know it's uh so we would probably have a comet stay around in a few of our lives lifetimes i guess um centuries and what happened to uh, Haley's comet google that I'm doing it. Doing it right now. I'm doing, doing it. I'm typing it in. Halley's, Halley's comet. Halley's. Halley's comet is arguably the most famous comet. It wow. is a peri- periodic comet and returns to Earth's vicinity about every 75 years, making it possible for a human to see it twice in her lifetime. Um, the last time it was here was 19. 19- 86 and it's projected to return in 2061. Okay. This is very interesting, Annette. <laughs> I'm learning so much. I remember because I remember the I remember Haley's Comet in the 80s. Yeah, we could all go out and watch it. Yeah. Did you see it? Do you remember seeing it? I don't. No, I don't. I don't at all. And um, no. I'm ashamed of that. I am. Yeah. Same. Because you know what? I didn't realise that I wasn't going to be able to see it again until 2061. I might not be around. I probably will still be around. What's that? 40 years away. I'm 47, so 80. Oh, shit. I don't want to live that long, Annie. Yeah, I hear. I did want to read out something else just because I thought this was beautiful and it's a, it's a, if I'm, if I may. Please. Um, 
it's just it's from um, Maria Popova's blog, and I just thought I would read it because it's so beautiful. And you know, I love poetry, mm-hmm. um, which is why I actually st- she's probably the reason why I started writing poetry because she just introduced me to so many amazing poets, and mm-hmm. she introduced me to Mary Oliver, which is my favorite poet, and. That when I read, I always read her blogs to get inspired to write. Like if I feel when I was writing a lot last year, I would, I would, I would know that if I read a, a, an article, a, a blog on Maria um, Maria Popova's site, that I would get inspired to write. So I, I would do that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to read this. She writes a a poem each year that she's been doing for for every year she's been doing her blog and she's up to year 14 Mm -hmm. and she draws on kind of things that she learns for that year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to read you this year's one because I think it's so beautiful given the shit year we've all had Mm -hmm. um, and just the Mm -hmm. way that she's kind of summed it up. So number 14 is called Choose Joy. Oh, and so you can amazing. you can go and read the other previous thirteen that she's written on her blog as well. It's called her blog's called Brain Pickings. So choose joy. Choose it like a child chooses the shoe to put on the right foot, the crayon to paint a sky. Choose it at first consciously, effortfully. I didn't even know that was a word. Effortfully. Effortfully, pressing against the weight of a world heavy with reasons for sorrow, restless with need for action. Feel the sorrow, take the action, but keep pressing the weight of joy against it all until it becomes mindless, automated, like gravity pulling the stream down its course, until it becomes an inner law of nature. Mm -hmm. If Viktor Frankl can exclaim yes to life in spite of everything and what an everything he lived through, then so can any one of us amid the rubble of our plans, so trifling by comparison. Joy is not a function of a life free of friction and frustration, but a function of focus, an inner elevation by the fulcrum of choice. So often it is a matter of attending to what Hermann Hesse called, as the world was about to come unwelded by its first global war, the little joys so often, those are the slender threads of which we weave the lifeline that saves us. Delight in the age salted man on the street corner waiting for the light to change, his age salted dog beside him, each inclined toward the other with the angular subtlety of absolute devotion. Delight in the little girl zooming past you on her little bicycle, this fierce emissary of the future, rainbow tassels waving from her handlebars and a hundred beaded braids spilling from her golden helmet. Delight in the snail taking an afternoon to traverse the abyssal crack in the sidewalk for the sake of pasturing on a single blade of grass. Delight in the tiny new leaf, so shy and so shamelessly lush, unfurling from the crooked stem of the parched geranium. I often think of this verse from Jane Hirschfield's splendid poem, The Weighing. So few grains of happiness measured against all the dark and still the scales balance. Yes, except we furnish both the grains and the scales. I alone can weigh the blue of sky, you of yours. Mm. 
That's lovely. Isn't that lovely? Joy. Choose joy. joy. And I just loved the bit about the dog, mm. how they're each inclined towards the other with the angular subtlety of absolute devotion. Oh, it's perfect for dogs. Isn't it? Because that's all they that's do. exactly what they do. That little, they just, they've got to just lean to you a little bit and you're like, yeah, yeah. you're a devotion. Yeah. They are the epitome of devotion. So I think that's just, yeah, it was really, really beautiful. So you always, um, she, I just love the way she puts stuff into words. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Great um, chick in history. We salute you, Maria. Mariah. Mariah. We do. Lovely. All right. See you next week. Yeah, see everyone next week. Well, we don't see you. We, we feel you, though. We we'll feel you next week. Feel you next week. <laughs> Look at you. You've got to the end. So if you're still listening, we're just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me, Evie Jones, and of course, Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com.